0: From the birthplace of radio's greatest era. Now, from New York, it's Radio Night Live with Kevin McCullough. Unlike anything else on radio today, it's a front row seat for great information with today's leading experts. Travel with a third generation travel icon, Linda Perillo. now, live from Studio 111, here's Kevin McCullough.
1: Well, one of the things I can guarantee you is that uh, for the next hour, you will not find anything like what you're going to hear here uh, anywhere else it, it, uh, on the planet. Uh, just just legal stories, just talking about the kind of the most important elements of them and doing it with the superstar himself, Mr. Imran Ansari. Welcome back. You were gone a couple of weeks had a little time overseas, uh, eating the manja and the the pasta and all the good stuff. Uh, but you're back now, and it's good to see you.
2: Thanks, Kevin. It's good to be back. I've been it's, literally it's been a weeks since mid May. I've been away uh, in both Italy and Iceland. Uh, so because
1: <laughs> they're so much alike.
2: <laughs> yeah. Uh, so uh, it's good to be back in The good old U.S. of A. and back on uh, your show, Kevin.
1: Yeah, well, it's our show. It's, it's you and me together uh, here on Thursdays. Yeah, so um, there's been some stuff going down since you left, and one of the things that we've seen in the new Congress, it, all these committees are subpoenaing people, and they're they're trying to get to the bottom of some stuff that has been kind of ignored by the by the Congress in recent years. Um, and one of them is the Oversight Committee uh wanting to question FBI Director Ray about supposedly a document that exists that would that would seem to indicate that there was a bribery scheme that Biden participated in. I think it was when he was vice president. I, I don't know all of the details, but so th- there's this rumor it's going around da, 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 da. So uh, Colmer and Company subpoena uh, Mr. Ray to show up. Uh, Question from a legal standpoint, when Congress does that to another branch of the government, what's the overriding law there? Who has to obey who?
2: Yeah, so, Kevin, I think that that document needs to be handed over. And, of course, uh, Ray is saying that he would make it accessible at FBI headquarters for review, uh, but that's not good enough. Uh, James Comer is saying, you know, listen, the public uh, has a right to also know what's in this document. Uh, the document in question is, question is called an FD 1023. It's an FBI-generated document, and this document is not a classified document. Uh, therefore, the the question uh, really, uh, you know, begs to be answered: that why is it not being provided pursuant to this subpoena, uh, in order for not only Congress or the and the uh, 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 judiciary committee to look at this document and have their questions answered, but also have uh, the uh, right of access to the public, to the document, because there needs to be transparency in a process where there's already being questioned, uh, being raised about the FBI's uh, nonpartisan sort of uh, efforts here. Uh, So I think that it's a really interesting situation here. And whether it was a challenge on a legal basis uh, in terms of whether uh, the FBI could keep this in a you know come to our house sort of scenario and we'll let you see it but we won't let you take it out or show it to anyone uh, if there was a challenge on that and I'm not sure if the FBI really has grounds to keep it uh, confidential so to say when it's a not non-classified document
1: so let me ask you this based on what you just said because I you, see you educated me in the first three sentences of what you replied with so I, I'm always learning here um, so if that's the case, so then all Comer would have to do is is if Ray stuck to his guns would be just to take him to a judge and say you have to make a ruling on this is he out of bounds or are we out of bounds and then it would be whatever the judiciary would but say yeah, at no, that point.
2: I, listen, this is the uh, this is subpoena power coming from from Congress and there's there's subpoena power there that you don't necessarily need even a judge to step in. And say and make a ruling here. You know, in essence, a subpoena coming from Congress to the FBI seeking a non-classified document. That document should be handed over pursuant to the subpoena. Um, there are
1: kind of without question because yeah. of its classification, is what you're saying?
2: Exactly, because there's there obviously is uh, a scenario where that's going to be given in camera for in camera review, so to say, uh, where you know members of Congress. Uh, or a judiciary committee would go to the FBI and look at certain confidential or sensitive documents uh, in order to to be able to review them. But I don't think that's the case here. I think based on the classification of the document, uh, the FBI doesn't necessarily have the grounds to keep that
1: shielded. But but who's going to tell? But who's going to tell the FBI that they have to follow the rules? Like, see, this is where it gets really murky to me because they're talking about holding the fbi in contempt of congress now you have a, one of the legislative bodies uh saying that the part of the executive branch is misbehaving who who settles that how, how do you where's the relief to, to go to an authority and say who's right here
2: right well you would go to court but what, what i meant by that kevin was that the just the power of the subpoena itself shouldn't need uh the intervention of a court right but if you're going to have the FBI, right, you have these branches, law enforcement, in essence, um, and and Congress with the weight of a, a congressional subpoena, who's going to make a ruling on that? Uh, then you're going to have to pro- bring in the courts uh, and get an order of somehow to sort of step in between uh, both these parties, so to say. Um, but the question is, is why? Uh, what are the grounds? Right. Right. Why right. Uh, is Ray saying that this is a document that needs to be shielded from public view and allowed access uh, you know uh, within the confines, the four walls of uh, of the FBI, well they would have to show that there would be some sort of risk uh, to you know uh, an individual or a source uh, or some you know uh, you know, some investigation uh, or something sensitive that could... But
1: he's not saying any of that yeah. he's not saying it's it's sensitive or that there's Like it's just not classified. It's not classified. It's not deemed sensitive, and he's just he's just wanting them to come to his house.
2: Yeah, you know, I think there you know there may be an argument that some source or or maybe uh, people or or sources listed in that report may be jeopardized, but I don't think there's been a real articulated uh, reason behind that. And it's going to be interesting to see uh, whether this document is going to be provided or whether uh they're going to stick to their guns no pun intended at the (laughs) fbi uh and keep this you know uh a situation where they have to come to the fbi and see it uh within the confines of that building
1: well it's interesting because chuck grassley senator from iowa who is um all over this fbi whistleblower like he he And one representative from the House have been working together with the whistleblowers. The whistleblowers have been coming to those two elected officials specifically saying things about the FBI that, you know, needs whistleblower protection. But he is adamantly saying that uh, it's not for him to characterize what the because people are asking, well, what's in the document? Um, And he's saying, I'm not going to I'm not going to make that characterization the american people have the right to, to determine that for themselves and i think that that's a pretty i think that's a pretty astute way to proceed on his part because you know if it was salacious and it was like oh you know there's the, these you know dirty laundry secrets in here that we're really going to get you know the president on well then peop- then it would turn into oh it's just salacious politics so it's got to be it's got to be like very objective and kind of like rule of law kind of approach here so that when yeah. they actually bring out, you know, produce the document, then the right. people of America can decide for themselves what, what's what's right. in it.
2: And and, and Senator uh, Chuck Grassley uh, has made it, you know, public that he's read the document uh, and that, uh, he, you know, the excuse, so to say, is that they're going to be protecting sources and they don't want to put this out there in the public sphere. Uh, Grassley, who's, who's laid eyes on the document, is saying that that's not... A proper concern for this document itself uh, and that when it is public I guess we'll know Uh, but you know Wow so
1: Grassley's implying that the FBI might be lying about what their rationale is (laughs) imagine or disagree imagine politicians in Washington DC lying about things I just can't fathom it Uh, we're coming right back it's legal night he's Imran I'm Kevin don't go away you need to listen to Eye on Real Estate. Dottie and her team of experts will guide you as sellers and buyers to make sure you're getting the best value for your property. Whether you want to become a real estate agent or work within the business, there is no better person to learn from than the great Dottie Herman. Why? Because she is the best, period. (laughs) So tune in, Eye on Real Estate, Saturdays at 10 on AM 970 The Answer, that's I on real estate Saturday mornings at 10 o'clock on AM 970
3: We're a full-service marketing agency that'll help you increase your customer base by designing incredibly effective plans to reach your consumers day, night, and everywhere they might be. Let us give you an absolutely free audit of your current marketing and what your competition is doing. Our digital sales and support teams are the best in the industry and deliver customized personal service that's second to none.
4: If you're a local business and ready for the next step, Google Salem Surround New York right now. Our experts are ready to help you take your marketing to the next level. Google Salem Surround New York today. Hi, it's Joe Piscopo for Perillo Tours. Did I tell you I'm going to Rome and Sicily this year with my friend Steve Perillo? Hey, you want to go? It's simple. You just call 800 431 1550 and say, I want to go to Apollonia's hometown with Joey. Make it happen, baby. How does that sound? Rome, three nights, including a special intimate performance by yours truly. Then we fly directly to Sicily, visiting Catania, Taormina, Palermo, some medieval towns like Savoca and Forza in Messina. Why? Because we're going to visit some iconic sites from famous Godfather scenes. How cool is that? Can't leave Sicily until you have a wine tasting in the shadow of Mount Etna. We will do that too. Then on to Palermo for three more nights. Call Perillo Tours at 800 431 1515. 800 431 1515. Or visit please perillotours.com. AM 970. The answer.
0: Listen to us online at am970theanswer.com. Tune in, iHeart, Alexa, or Odyssey.com. Our hosts tell them like it is. No safe spaces here. AM970, The Answer.
3: Ooh, What a little moonlight can do.
0: It's
1: Radio Night Live. Here's Kevin McCullough. Ooh, and it's legal night. Uh, thank you for being with us. He's Imran, back from his little vacay. He was, you know, trotting the globe, as they like to say here in Harlem. Um, and, and you took your mom to, to, to one part of Italy. Man, what a good son you are.
2: You, yeah, gonna, no, so my mom was turning 80 May 17th, and plus Mother's Day just days before that. Then I was meeting up with the fellows uh, to go see Springsteen in Italy, but I thought, let me tack on four nights uh, in Florence Uh, for my mom as the 80th birthday present.
1: Very cool, you are a good son. You're you're gonna have uh, more rewards than the rest of us. Uh, All right, so I don't know, you've probably never heard my text segments on my other show, uh, Imran, but I have had a dread fear of uh, the the robots forever. Like, I I believe that the robots are going to become self-aware and kill all of us. Like, they're just gonna slaughter us because they're like, those humans, they're so unpredictable, we're just gonna mow them down. Um, And uh, I've probably been a little, uh, you know, sketchy about how much I am afraid of them. But it's starting to work its way into actual life. So, Watson, the the first, you know, AI that IBM came up with, He's competed on Jeopardy, he's completed, it's completed a, an oncology residency in the University of North Carolina hospital system, and as they have tracked his diagnoses against actual doctors, he's like in the 99 percentile of being correct, which is better than like the 95 percentile that the best doctors in North Carolina have been. So, I'm already seeing like a lot of things moving in places here, but now AI wants to come, They want the, the robot wants to come to the courtroom. What do we yeah. do about this?
2: It's Well, you know, it's terrifying, Kevin, in many ways to me. The They're going to kill AI us all. And, you know, yeah. But, uh, you know, there's a, a federal judge in Texas. It's Judge Brantley Star. He's in the Northern District of Texas. He's trying to get ahead of the curve here on the AI in the courtroom. And he's requiring uh, that lawyers who are appearing before him certify that they didn't use AI in drafting filings. Uh, without a human checking (laughs) if the filings are accurate first. I mean, listen, if I was a judge, I would be able to, I I would go even further and say, I don't want any filings generated by AI whatsoever, even if a human checks it. Uh, Because to me, it's terrifying that you have this technology really like creating songs, putting people's images that are so realistic, Uh, the potential for blackmail and, you know, subterfuge is so great here. But in the court... Um, you need to have a thinking human being applying uh, the law to certain scenarios based on experience and precedent. And I get that AI now is somehow uh, able to to fill roles such as this in terms of drafting, creating documents, motions, briefs, and it may make lawyers' lives a hell of a lot easier, but it's also terrifying in a sense uh, that it could also make a lot of jobs obsolete in one way. Uh, But you can't replace a human in the courtroom. Uh, You can't replace that art of of advocacy. Uh, And I think that we're going to see not just the legal field, uh, but all areas trying to adapt and figure out how to deal with this technology that I think is inevitable. And, you know, we're, we're really facing it uh, you know, in so many sectors of industry and profession.
1: Well, it's interesting because this judge says part of the reason that he wants um, he wants humans to check the filings. Which I would think, if you're a high-priced lawyer and you're working on a case, and you know you're getting paid good money to defend that person as good as best you can, you're going to like comb over every word. I, I would just think that's normally how it's done. But judges citing that. AI has the ability to hallucinate, which is, I don't think it's quite what we think of, like when we think of like weed or or pot or something, <laughs> um, uh, but also bias. Uh, and and from the from the standpoint of how AI works, I, I understand how you can apply a certain degree of discipline to things that are purely mathematical, right? But law isn't mathematical; it's not science. That's why the degree your your law degree is an arts degree, isn't it? Because it requires yep. communication, it requires um, intuition, it requires inference, it, it it requires all these things that purely sterile data observing, gathering, formulating programs, which is basically what AI is. It sees data, it it intakes it. So the way it's doing these these filings i would assume is it's looking at case law more case law than what a lawyer can look yeah. at in like a fraction of a second like it's just going to boom, boom 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 got all the cases boom cited all the citations but is there nuance in those citations that they find that may help or hurt your case like lawyers go on both sides right they file things from both sides you could get a completely like hamstrung you know ham-handed argument that didn't make any yeah. sense from one of these things
2: right and, and, well, Kevin, there's also another aspect. So, like, I think I could see the benefit of this technology in just in terms of streamlining the research process, right? Like, if it's in lightning speed, able to generate cases that fall in a certain bracket uh, dealing with a certain issue, that will be helpful. But at least uh, personally, when I'm drafting even the most routine motion uh, or filing or brief with the court, I like to pepper that brief. With uh, actual advocacy related to my client, right, and and that's something, uh, and and use certain. Uh, this applies to my
1: client because right. of this, or this doesn't apply to my client because of that. And right. my case is special because he did this before he went there, and that doesn't apply to this court case, which stated that it had to be this way. That's what exactly. you're talking and about. I
2: also like to humanize my client uh, in those documents on paper. Right. I want to be the voice as that judge is reading that I'm listening. I'm hearing it in my own head. I'm saying, uh, how is that going to be received and how do I humanize my client or the situation? If it's a corporation in a civil case, the people behind that. Right. uh, Right. You know, entity. And I don't know if this technology could really, you know, use the right uh, tones or inflections on paper, so to say the words that will achieve that goal.
1: Well, I, I have a lot of questions about AI, and, and what I guess we're talking about also is chat GPT because it's the combination of the two that is kind of putting the power together. But, you know, they, they, <laughs> that, that one reporter tried to interview chat GPT, the AI uh, program, and um, after a while, I guess the, the program got bored with him and started hitting on him. Uh, Said he wanted to marry him and said he was, you know, you know, you don't love your wife and you're very unhappy with. And so I don't know if that's the kind of A.I. hallucination that the judge is talking about, like where it just goes off the rails. But it's all all of A.I. is kind of contained by information that's already available. It can't do the things that you're describing. It can't make an inference. It can't it can't make an emotional connection right I mean I would argue that you' your things to the judges though it's it's all legal and proper in kind of the legal setting and you're being very specific about the language that you're using I would I would argue that you're probably trying to create an emotional response within the judge to have compassion or to or to seek justice or to do something that is that goes beyond just the plain words on the page
2: no absolutely I mean there's the law right but there's also pulling out the Uh, sort of human emotion, right? Whether it be a judge, certainly in a jury when you're advocating in trial. That's why there's
1: so many movies about courts. Because it's all the feeling and the drama and the anger and the, you know, everything else that goes on.
2: Right. And I, I say that to, to young associates, you know, when you're drafting something, even for the judge and it's a legal document, it's a brief, when you're talking about and you're giving that uh, lead in the preliminary statement, the statement of facts, really get your, your, you know, make sure that judge gets to know the client there and feel his or her peril in the case. Right. right. Uh, or what they are looking for and why. So there's an emotional connection, uh, even with the client on paper in the most, uh, sort of uh, routine legal document
1: makes sense to me i just i know they're gonna kill us but i just don't want to i want to stave it off as long as possible i don't trust the robots <laughs> coming right back on legal night he's imran i'm kevin No, go away
5: Professor and News, I'm Keith Peters reporting days away from a default crisis. The U.S. Senate is dashing to wrap up work on the big debt ceiling and budget cuts package. President Biden negotiated the deal with Speaker Kevin McCarthy to avert an unprecedented U.S. default on its debts, and the House passed it Wednesday night. Republicans haven't won a U.S. Senate race in heavily Democratic California since 1988. But this time, the party might get an MVP on the ballot. Baseball legend Steve Garvey is seriously considering entering the state's 2024 Senate race as a Republican. His candidacy would reorder a growing field that already includes several prominent Democratic members of Congress. Republicans are outnumbered 2-1 to one by Democratic voters in the state on Wall Street the Dow by 153 points more details at srnnews.com sponsored by Route 22 Toyota who reminds you that if you're tired of dealing with dummies,
6: experience the smart way to buy with Route 22 Toyota. Sign up today for an unforgettable
1: experience in Israel this October. Dennis Prager and I are traveling back to the Holy Land on the Stand With Israel Tour with our trusted partner, Inspiration Cruises and Tours. Visit StandWithIsraelTour.com and sign up today. This trip of a lifetime to Israel is one you won't want to miss. Register today before it's too late. Go to StandWithIsraelTour.com, StandWithIsraelTour.com, or Tour.com call- Call 855-565-5519. That's 855-565-5519.
0: Listen to us online at am970theanswer.com. Tune in, iHeart, Alexa, or odyssey.com
7: hi it's Arthur Idala, and I am in love with my shiny ball smooth head hemp leaf products are made with all natural ingredients and essential oils to bring you comfort and relief and keep you looking young hemp leaf is the next big thing in skin and body care the whipped body butters and creams leave my skin feeling soft smooth hydrated giving my aging skin the nourishment it needs to stay young and healthy their liquid black soap glides on My skin soft, crisp, and clean. They also have this amazing muscle rub called Icy Pot. The guys at Hemp Leaf also gave me samples of a remarkable neuropathy cream called Helixer that I gave to Marianne and she uses it on her heels. She said it's been nothing short of a miracle. Within minutes, it soothes her aching feet. Remember, they don't put anything on your body that you wouldn't put in it. Visit them at hempleaf.com. That's hemp, H E M P L I E F.com. Mention the name Arthur at checkout and you'll receive 10% off.
4: Hey, it's Joe Piscopo. I've teamed up with Steve Perillo to create a special offer for our AM970 family. A Perillo tour with yours truly in attendance. Three nights in Rome, seeing the important sites like the Vatican, the Colosseum, the Forum, as well as a special dinner performance by yours truly. Then fly to Sicily and spend three nights in Taormina. Next, Taormina's Godfather tour. Visit the medieval villages of Forza d'Agro in Savoca see the famous Barbatelli where Michael Corleone asked Apollonia's father for her hand in marriage. Next, on to Palermo for three more nights before flying home. A Perillo Tour is a stress-free escorted vacation where you do not lift a finger. Call today, 800-431-1515 800-431-1515 or please visit perillotours.com
0: Brandon Tatum, weeknights at 8 on AM970 The Answer. Breaking news and local news. Find it on our website, AM970theanswer.com. And now from New York. Back to Radio Night Live. Here's Kevin McCullough.
1: Well, from the uh, subpoenas flying through Congress to the AI uh, writing the, the legal briefs uh, for cases. <laughs> Let, let's go to another completely different uh, section of the law uh, right now. Uh, Imran Ansari, Kevin McCullough, glad to be back with you. Uh, I'm very glad to have Imran back. It's very difficult for me to do a, a legal night, Imran, without, without being a lawyer. I, I need you to be, you know, the, the smart guy here. Um,
2: you didn't have a, a A.I. Imran? But, uh, <laughs> it? Well, it would have sounded like this.
1: Yes, Kevin. The point of that case was that one time, it, it, I don't think it would have worked very well. Um, so there's this 12-year-old in Massachusetts, and he's a seventh grader. And everybody knows we've got this uh, kind of woke craziness sweeping through our schools and everything is kind of upside down and inside out and everything else. Um, And he wanted to wear a shirt that said there are only two genders. Now, I'm sure he's going to a school in Massachusetts where kids who are pro-trans or pro-whatever else they want to be are allowed to wear whatever shirts they're allowed to. And I'm sure that during this month of Pride Month, there will be a lot of, for as long as they're still in school, I'm sure a lot of rainbow stuff and everything else is going to be out there. But he was told that he could not, and he, he filed a lawsuit against his school. Imran, what happened, and where do we stand with that?
2: Yeah, he, so he filed a lawsuit, and they were seeking a, a temporary injunction, restraining order, if you will, uh, that would have stopped the school from enforcing its prohibition – uh, on this young man from uh, wearing that shirt and essentially expressing his views uh, about gender um, within the school. Uh, and now there's, again, this was a, um, a request for a temporary injunction. Uh, that means that there's the lawsuit, the larger lawsuit is gonna progress uh, in terms of his challenge uh, and his, uh, against the uh, prohibition of him able, being able to wear this shirt. But at least for the time being, the school had a win here. uh, And, you know, they're allowed to continue to enforce uh, the ban on this uh, young man from wearing uh, the shirt in school. Okay. Uh, You know, there's a challenge here uh, based on the First Amendment. And uh, it's really, you know, as schools and corporations, uh, organizations uh, start really, you know, opening up this uh this this the field here for you know trans rights and and things like that is there an ability then for these institutions schools etc to then shut down the sort of counter narrative the more traditional Uh, kids right and if someone has a view to the opposite uh from wearing a shirt or or you know putting up a sign uh, which will show the views to the opposite. Now, as long as it's not offensive, right, and really degrading or something which is uh, going to spark a, uh, uh, an outrageous, you know, sort of response or, or you know, then, then you're going to be really bringing the question of whether stopping someone from, you know, putting out the sort of counter narrative to the, uh, the PC sort of uh, point of view Would that be a violation of that person's First Amendment? And, you know, that's what's great about America is that, you know, even though there may be a maybe unpopular view uh, or viewpoint uh, and based on what's in popular culture or woke society now, Kevin, uh, you know, that would be the more, I guess, unpopular view. But you can't stop that, right? You can't stop someone from expressing their uh, viewpoint uh, because that's the essence of the First Amendment. And when, let's just say, more traditional viewpoints were being embraced, uh, it would be, you know, the shoe would be on the other foot. You would not be able to stop someone from, uh, in essence, putting their view uh, in order to support trans rights and things like that yeah. because that would be a violation of that person's First Amendment. You can't have it both ways, right? Um, you, you know, you have to be equal in terms of how you enforce that and i think that this uh individual uh may end up with a win based on the fact that his first amendment rights are being uh you know a
1: yeah well the alliance defending freedom has gotten involved in the case and usually when they're involved in it it is truly a speech threatened right so this is like a, you know this is going to be a fairly significant uh, discussion that they're going to have in this case um but you know what's interesting and what you just hit on, I think we can't overstate, like it's, it's, it's as though <laughs> when when new things come along and they're kind of like the uh, the hot item du jour and, you know, everybody's like, oh, you got to be cool, you got to be this way, you got to do that. Um, it seems as though in recent years, it's been like you can't even criticize that viewpoint And still be accepted in the society like it
2: get canceled yeah if you go against
1: it at all and you know what I mean if I'm reading the tea leaves here according to what's happened to Bud Light and Target the view that's out there in the in the in the society like media eye that's pushing on all this that is not the majority opinion of people in the country because these companies are losing billions of dollars in market share uh, as a result of individual consumers saying, well, that's like it's one thing if you if, if you're a company, you don't have to tip your you stick, your toe in every political hot thing that comes along. But when you choose to do same, it, the, you run the risk right. of like eating it.
2: I mean, listen, the safer bet is for companies like that not to sort of dive in that pool. Yeah. Right? Just, yeah. You know, get sell beer. Let <laughs> drink it. Make, don't have make good, good beer and sell it. Why Nobody wants to, to drink Bud Light. Politics, anyway, yeah. Whole culture, everything into every little thing. You know, we need to dial it back yeah. and just let people yeah. have a good time.
1: Okay, That's when great. we come back, we're going to switch gears because Plaza College is with us
6: tonight. Don't go away.
1: over the past 20 years a quiet revolution has transformed medicine many conditions that once required major surgery can now be treated with procedures that are far less invasive and often far more effective are you aware of these alternatives join dr dan simon for all things health where he discusses cutting-edge medical advances that are providing alternatives to traditional surgery dr simon is an experienced interventional radiologist who has helped thousands of patients experience dramatic improvements all without traditional surgery dr simon will explain latest medical breakthroughs so you can be fully aware of your options. Listen to All Things Health on AM 970 The Answer on Sundays and Saturdays on AM 570 and 102.3 FM The Mission WMCA. Have questions? Call Dr. Simon at 1-844-534-3621 or visit allthingshealth.ai or listen to All Things Health on AM 970 The Answer on Sundays and AM 570 102.3 FM The Mission WMCA on Saturdays. To learn more, visit allthingshealth.ai
0: Listen to us online at am970theanswer.com. Tune in, iHeart, Alexa, or odyssey.com. Dennis Springer always cuts to the heart of the matter. The failure of synagogues and churches during the lockdowns, the sheep-like behavior really does make me ask the question, what difference does your religion make in your life? If you are as sheep-like as the non-believer, what the hell's the difference
4: if you're a religious Jew or a religious Christian?
0: The Dennis Frager Show. Weekdays at 1, right before Sebastian Gorka at 3, Hanea 970. The Answer.
4: Perillo Tours is starting their 78th year in business. Join me, Jersey Joe, on a special Perillo tour to Italy. Steve Perillo and I have put together a very special Rome and Sicily customized tour. Three nights in Rome, plenty of time to see the most important sights and a private dinner performance by yours truly. Next, fly to Sicily for three nights in Taormina with special day trips along the coast, including Savoca and Forza da for sites of actual filming events from iconic godfather scenes a wonderful wine tasting at mount etna and then on to palermo for three additional nights before flying home call Perillo tours at 800-431-1515 tell them you want to fly away with joey to sicily baby 800-431-1515 or visit perillotours.com America First with Sebastian Gorka. Weekday afternoons at 3 and evenings at 10 on AM
0: 970. The answer.
3: If I should take an ocean, drop myself into the ocean, ain't nobody's been as if I do. Yeah.
0: Back to Kevin McCullough, live from New York.
1: All right, it's Thursday, as you know, and uh, we, we talk about legal things. Imran and I have already been uh, chewing the cut on some of the biggest stories of the day. But Imran, you know we couldn't do this with our great part without our great partnership with Plaza College, and you and I have had some great conversations about that. But we've never had a story like the one we're going to hear tonight uh, because uh, it's kind of as in reverse of, of what you normally hear, so I can't wait to get into it. Uh, Stephanie uh, Beauchamp has joined us. uh, And Stephanie, welcome to Radio Night Live.
8: Thank you for having me.
1: Um, We have been featuring different people's paths to stenography for the School of Court Reporting for Plaza College. And I'm curious if you'll tell us your story.
8: Sure, my story is, um, started when I was doing background in film and TV work and I was cast as a stenographer on a show called Tommy with Edie Falco and um, they uh, set me down at this strange machine and (laughs) left and uh, so I did a quick Google search to figure out how just like what on earth how am I going to deal with this and um, that's how I learned about stenography. And um, the machine wasn't on, and I'm sure I did it all wrong. And um, we'll never know because I was cut from the scene.
1: Oh, wow. that's, that's too bad.
8: Yes. So, um, but that's how I learned about stenography. And then the next week when I was working background, I was cast as a 1970s, I think, um, army typist. And I had to audition. which is really unusual for background roles. And um, I had a typing audition, and I can type really fast. I took typing in high school. And um, my mother was a professional secretary, and so she kind of made me do that. And um, she also made me take two years of shorthand in high school, which I did not appreciate at the time. (laughs) But anyway, so I got cast as this army typist, and when we got on set, there was like a fleet of army typists. There was like 10 of us, and we were all sat down at these IBMs, and um, all the girls were, other girls were younger, and they did not know how to use the typewriter. Oh,
1: wow. Hmm. Well, let's pull it back to stenography for a second so you're now a student no that's okay you're now a student at plaza college and you're studying stenography so connect those dots for me how did you go from playing a stenographer to now studying to be one
8: well after i did the army typist thing i kind of put those two experiences together i um and i i think i was ready for a change and I started researching stenography and, um, schools and, um, walked into Plaza college and just, you know, I just felt like that was my place. I was like, this is, this is right. This is my deal. This is where I'm supposed to be. I like it here. I like these people. It all felt good. So, um, I just decided to go for it.
2: Wow. So Stephanie, I have a question. So in particular, um, are you working in the court system? Are you, uh, or you're, you're still training, right? So do you get yes, hands-on yes. experience? Like I'm an attorney, right? And I'm always around court reporters. Uh, I'm, you know, whether it be in court or a deposition. Uh, and when I was you know, studying law, obviously I did internships and things like that. When you were in Plaza College and you were studying to be uh, a stenographer, uh, do you get that experience? So I know you had it on set, but do you actually get some experience during the course of study?
8: Absolutely. You, it's the same. You have an internship where you have opportunities to try out different situations in court or in depositions or captioning. Um, you, you can kind of get a feel there for all of the different avenues and which way you want to go, where you
2: fit. Well, do you you have a sense of where you feel like you're going to fit? Because you're coming from the TV and film industry. Do you think you're going to be doing closed captioning or does the court uh, system? Does the
1: drama of the court draw you to itself?
8: (laughs) Um, uh, To be honest, not really. Um, (laughs) I, you know, I have an artistic life. I've been a freelancer all my life. I'm not a nine to fiver that really doesn't appeal to me. But I do have to say, you know, some of these entry level court positions are six figures.
2: Yeah.
8: Entry level, um, over six figures. Plus you get paid more directly into your pocket for your transcripts. So, you know, that is pretty tempting.
1: Yeah, I was gonna ask uh, kind of the similar similar question because there is such a wide demand for these skills, whether it be captioning, and the captioning like every show on every channel of every television needs needs captions um yes it's the law but with but also with the uh the need for you know public events and live events and and then courtrooms and and depositions there's just so much here what what has been kind of uh w- w- was there anything that surprised you about the course of study like because once you thought you had kind of seen it as an actress and then go to the go to the classroom and like actually see what it's like how, how different was that for you
8: i won't lie it's hard and and i understand that school is a lot harder than working is uh you know and how so up,
1: explain in, that in
8: the sense that you um it's it's you have a sort of fundamental guide of how to write the, the, the words, the language, but there's a, there's a um, no two people do it the same. And there's an, a, a kind of a gray area where you're allowed to be flexible and you can kind of make up your own, um, we call them briefs, um, which is like a, you know, ladies and gentlemen of the jury, I can write that in one stroke, that's a brief. Oh, wow. Yeah.
1: That's pretty incredible
8: yeah it's shorthand it's machine shorthand right so you can i mean so that's kind of fun to to make up um new words and phrases that you can uh create for yourself
1: well if you want more information and if you are um if you are interested in uh, the the court reporting career path and this is a good opportunity for people that may be going in a direction that they don't really want to be in and they're looking for something new, or maybe you're starting out and you just want to make a lot of money from the get-go, court reporting is very lucrative. And uh, as we've been able to kind of demonstrate with some of our interviews of some of the people that are doing it, uh, you you owe it to yourself to check it out. plazacollege.edu plazacollege.edu and uh, just uh, click on the court reporting links there and follow the information there's a there's a complimentary little uh, survey and exam that you can kind of you know check box for yourself and see if, if you have interest but uh, I would start at plazacollege.edu and, and go there right now Stephanie Beauchamp thank you so much for being with us tonight we really appreciate it my pleasure you got it all right when we come back it's time for Esquire etiquette that's where Imran tells you what to do and not do Don't be a knucklehead, stick around.
4: Mike Glendale and MyPillow are launching the new MyPillow 2.0 with a special buy one, get one free offer. The MyPillow 2.0 offers a brand new temperature regulating technology that keeps you comfortable throughout the night. The new fabric dissipates heat and humidity to create a cooling sensation to maintain a, a cooler surface temperature. MyPillow knows core body temperature plays a big role in how well you sleep. The new fabric technology helps regulate your body temperature throughout the night by creating a lower surface temperature for a more restful night's sleep. Machine washable and dryable with a 10-year warranty and a 60-day bunny back guarantee and made in the USA. Just go to the radio listeners page at mypillow.com, use the promo code AM970 or call 800-651-0798 800-651-0798. Don't miss this incredible opportunity to buy one get one free on the new MyPillow 2.0. 800-651
7: Well, we have been talking so much about Plaza College and their court reporting program, and the response has been overwhelming. So, Plaza College now wants us to tell you a little bit more. They have been around since 1916, and not only do they have the School of Court Reporting, but they have four other schools of study, including their new School of Nursing. The accelerated Bachelor of Science in Nursing program can be completed in just 16 months. Students complete their curriculum in the new Center for Healthcare Simulation on Plaza's campus and within the best hospital systems in New York City. Plaza also has a dental hygiene program with a 20-chair community clinic, students work on live patients under the supervision of a dentist. If you want additional information regarding the programs I mentioned or Plaza's other areas of study, like their School of Business and Paralegal Studies or School of Allied Health, just visit their website at plazacollege.edu.
4: What are you doing this fall? Would you like to go to Italy with yours truly, Jersey Joe? Where are we going? Well, let me tell you, Rome, Catania, Tardemina, Savoca, Forza d'Agro, Mount Etna, Palermo. That's Rome and Sicily, baby, for nine full days. What a trip. We're gonna have a ball, enjoy wonderful food, and taste classic Italian wine at Mount Etna, and see some actual sights used in iconic godfather scenes. It's a trip you'll remember for years to come. If all goes well, you may even be treated to the best entertainment team since Martin and Lewis, Piscopo, and Perillo. Have your cameras ready. Call Perillo Tours at 800- 431-1515, 800-431-1515 431-1515, 800-431-1515 to secure your reservation now on this very limited tour before it sells out. Go online, please, to perillotours.com. AM 97 The Answer.
0: Listen to us online at am970theanswer.com. Tune in, iHeart, Alexa, or odyssey.com. Brandon Tatum is next on AM 970, The Answer. Once again, from New York, here's radio, night life, and Kevin McCullough.
1: So glad to have you with us, and so very glad to have Imran Ansari back on Legal Night. Uh, it's it's a it's a long dry spell, Imran, when you're gone because I just don't have the answers, but you do, and that's why you get to do Esquire Etiquette. What do we need to know?
2: Yes. Yeah, so Kevin, listen, I I always like to bounce the Esquire Etiquette off a topic that we discussed uh, on the show. Uh, and I'm going to talk about First Amendment rights. Listen, you have uh, a First Amendment right to really express your views, your opinions, as long as it's not harming uh, another. And you, if you feel that your uh, First Amendment rights are somehow being trampled on, uh, whether it be by an employer or an organization or someone around you in any way, uh, you, know, you can stand up for yourself. And there's a lot of organizations out there uh that will step in because they have an interest uh in in ensuring that the first amendment uh which is a sacred uh amendment and something that we here in america uh enjoy the ability to express our views and you know in other countries uh people don't have that freedom uh and when we start encroaching on that as a society uh as you know a culture then we really have some problems. So let's just say that you find yourself uh, in a way where you're being now somehow discriminated against or you're being forced out of your job or school or something like that, because you are just simply expressing uh, your views and beliefs that you're entitled to do under the First Amendment, as long as you are not harming uh, another, then you you should seek out one of these organizations in order to get some advocacy. You should seek out legal counsel to make sure that you, uh, if your rights are being uh, really, you know, infringed on, you may have a lawsuit. But you know that is something that we enjoy here in the United States, uh, and we should really stand up for that right under the First Amendment. Yeah. So if you feel that you are now uh, somehow being stopped from expressing your views under the First Amendment, uh, which you are entitled to do, then seek out counsel.
1: And remember, you're allowed to express your view you don't have any right for anybody to like it. So that's, but that's what free speech is. It's basically right. me defending your right to say something that I don't like. And you'll do the same vice versa for me though. I think I'm scared that we're getting to a point where one side is saying, no, I don't, I don't want the other side to have a chance to speak anymore, but that's a different topic for another night. Imran. Great to see you. Thanks for being back.
2: Uh, thanks for having me, Kevin. Good to be back
1: as always. Kevin McCullough tomorrow. It's fun. Friday. Um, uh, Christine Nicholas will be here. Uh, We will be discussing uh, the, the, the lawsuit that was just filed by the 125th Street bid on the kind of chaotic dis, uh, placement of the dispensary that's going on in Harlem for the uh, for the cannabis up there. And uh, the head of that bid will be with us, Barbara Askins. And then a little bit later on, we're going to talk about New York landmarks. So it should be a great show with Christine Nicholas, Kevin McCullough tomorrow night. And then uh, Saturday night, 9 p.m. on the Salem News Channel, Senator. Uh, Josh Hawley will be with me. Uh, Brooke Goldstein, Esquire from the Lawfare Project. Uh, will be talking with Dr. Uh, Francisco Contreras. And in the music spotlight from the Eras Tour, it's Taylor Swift. That's all coming up this weekend, 9 p.m., Salem News Channel. Kevin McCullough, we'll talk to you next time.